Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. It is really, really great to to be with you here at Wilmington Church of Christ. And it's great to uh, be back here and, uh, excuse me, to see a lot of faces that are very, very familiar. And also, it's great to be back and to be able to see new faces. And it's just awesome to see that and how God is working here. And uh, Christy is here as well. I have no idea where she is. she might be waiting out in the car because she already heard this for one time. I don't, for all I, I don't know where she went. Anyway, she's around somewhere. But uh, we are really happy to, to be here with you and uh, to be able to share with you a little bit uh, this morning about Lifeline and also to share with you uh, just uh, from the Word of God this morning, continuing in this ser- sermon series um, that you have been in. A lot of you who know us uh, are probably aware of the fact that about a year and a half ago, uh, Christy and I moved to Indianapolis. Uh, the reason that we did that uh, one of the reasons that we did that was uh, with all of the things that have been happening in the last couple of years, Lifeline has gone much more remote and more regional in our, in, with our U.S. staff. And so we decided, hey, if we're going to work from home, let's work from home closer to our kids. And so that was the biggest thing was this crew that you're, that's going to pop up here on the screen here in just a moment. It's a whole lot more fun being closer to our family, being able to go to ball games, being able to go to concerts, all that kind of stuff that you do with your kids and your and your grandkids, and so we uh, we have really really uh, enjoyed that uh, being having uh, our family time with them. Now, here's the thing: all and all of our family now, all of us, we're all Hoosiers. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about being a Hoosier: I have no idea what a Hoosier is. Have no clue. And actually, I have asked some people in Indiana, "What is a Hoosier?" And they say, "Well, that's somebody that lives in Indiana." Fantastic. I've got that question answered. I've got the full scoop on that. I have no idea. If somebody could help, maybe t- I'll talk to Tony Brockmary later. Maybe he, Tony knows what a Hoosier is. I have no idea, but I am a Hoosier, but I'm still a Buckeye, Hooday, Go Bucks, all that good stuff. All right. So have it, that, that is nothing is going to change there. I can guarantee you about that. But also uh, this morning, before I get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about Lifeline Christian Mission. And first of all, when I do that, I want to say thank you uh, to the Wilmington Church of Christ and to all of you individually for your, your prayer support, for your financial support, uh, for uh, your support in, in uh, hosting meal pack events here. You've, uh, uh, we've had people come on uh, mission trips uh, with us. And by the way, speaking of people coming on mission trips, Nick's dad, Tim, has been on mission trips with us in Haiti before and has even led worship down there in Haiti for us. I did not put together for a long time that that was father and son until just a few months ago. So uh, it's been great to have that connection as well. But if you're not familiar with Lifeline Christian Mission, Lifeline Christian Mission basically is built around five basic causes that we just got. These are sort of the pillars, the foundation of, that we build all of our ministry on with Lifeline. Uh, then those five causes very quickly are churches and establishing churches, uh, uh, growing youth, health and nutrition, economic empowerment, and mobilization. Now, I could talk all day long probably on each one of those, and I'm not going to do that this morning, but I just share that with you very quickly because I want you to know and to understand that really our, our, our philosophy of ministry and how we approach that in the various areas that we serve in many different places in the world is to come alongside the nationals and to come alongside these churches that Lifeline has established and help them to grow and help them to flourish and help them to just really grow the kingdom of God 
And the area that I'm most particularly connected to uh, with Lifeline is mobilization. And my, my role with Lifeline has, has been changing a little bit. Um, I, I'm still connected somewhat with trips, but also I'm overseeing now everything that has to do with anything that Lifeline does that has to do with mobilizing people for ministry, whether it's uh, mission trips, whether it's meal packs, uh, container outfitting, some other things that we do. And so that, that is really what Lifeline is all about, is mobilizing people to be a part of, of the work of the kingdom. Christy and I are very, very excited because this Saturday, uh, we are going uh, with a group down to uh, Panama City, Panama. Uh, I told somebody earlier this week that Christy and I were going to Panama City, and they said, oh, you're going to Florida. That's great. I said, no, no, we're not going to Florida. We're, we're going to Panama. That's the country with the canal in it and all that kind of good stuff. And so we are heading down there uh, with a group from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, we're going to be coming alongside that, that group there that established this church, the, the Central Church of Panama in Panama City, the capital city. Uh, that church plant was supposed to launch in March of 2020. Anybody know what happened in March of 2020? <laughs> that church did not launch on that date, but they have finally launched. And uh, they, um, they are doing great, and we're looking forward to going down and being a part of that. And so uh, we would just ask you to keep that in prayer. Actually, this is the first international trip that Christy and I have led uh, since February of 2022 when we had a team in Honduras. And uh, for, you, we all know the reasons why those things can't happen. Uh, in Haiti, uh, it's more the political unrest and gang activity and all of that. It's not safe for us to go to Haiti. But the good news is that in all these places, um, the ministries are thriving, the churches are doing well, the church pastors are leading uh, all of the ministries have been taking place even when we have not been able to be, be there. So we just ask for your prayers uh, for that. Also, I, I want to mention something to you today that maybe, I don't know, you might have an interest in being a part of. Uh, we all hear of the news coming out of Ukraine and all of the things that are happening and, and, and the human suffering and all the things that are taking place there. And uh, I wanted to make you aware today that Lifeline, uh, we have submission connections in Poland and Bulgaria, and uh, we are uh, working very, very hard uh, to get some of these meals that are packed here in the United States. If, if Yeah, there we go. There's information about that. The meals that are packed here in the States and so forth, a minute, much of that goes to our ministries in, that Lifeline has. Much of that food also goes uh, to other ministry partners and so, so forth outside of Lifeline. And we've been working with ministry partners in Poland and Bulgaria to get food as soon as possible to those countries so that that can get to refugee families that are coming out of Ukraine. And uh, we have a ministry center in Columbus. And at our ministry centers, I'm going to tell you more about them in just a moment. At our ministry centers, uh, people have the opportunity to come there and pack meals. Columbus is only about a 90-minute drive from where you're sitting right now. And I'd like to invite and encourage anyone here, if you're in a small group, if you've got family, if you've got a group of friends or whatever, if you could come to Columbus and help with some meal packs there, that would be so much appreciated. Every meal that is being packed in the month of March uh, at our Columbus Center, uh, is going to go to Ukraine. And so we've had a tremendous response to this. And uh, if, if you're interested in that, there's information up there on the screens. There's the, the website. There's the hashtag there. If you're, you're interested in helping with that, being a part of that in Columbus, check that out. And uh, we would just very, very much appreciate that. Now, I mentioned ministry centers, and I want to talk about that for just a moment. There's going to be some uh, pictures on the screens behind me as I'm talking about this. Lifeline, over the last couple of years, while some things have been different for us, there are some things that have changed, and there are some things that God has brought into focus for us, 
And one of those areas are our ministry centers. Our first one is in Columbus. The photos that you're seeing up on the screens this morning, uh, these are from our ministry center uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. It just opened back in January, and uh, Christy and I were able to go down for the opening for that and to be a part of that, and it's been exciting to see how God is working there. But at all of these ministry centers that we have, not only in Columbus, not only in Charlotte, but also um, in in uh, Indianapolis, or what, what, a new one is coming to Indianapolis, Lexington, Louisville, and Denver, Colorado. Uh, all of these centers, people are able to come. They're able to participate in meal packs on site in these ministry centers. They're also able to come to get involved in other ministries and so forth that Lifeline Christian Mission does. And uh, we are excited about this because as we're getting these centers opened up in different parts across the country, it has enabled us to engage more and more people, and not just people from churches, but also people from the communities where these centers are located have come together and are coming together to be a part of what God is doing in, in all of these areas. And so we're excited about this. We ask you to pray about it. The new one that's opening in Indianapolis, uh, probably this summer, um, it's going to be kind of a shift for us because we're going to have more warehouse space in Indianapolis to to process food through, to get it out because our meal packs are now becoming more regional. They're spreading across the country. Indianapolis is more centrally located to get things to Chicago and to other places to get them shipped out and so forth. And so just if you would pray about these ministry centers, we are just so, so excited about what God is doing and the opportunities that God is bringing for us. So again, I just want to say thank you uh, to all of you for your support, for your encouragement. And uh, I, I will tell you this, that um, Christy and I uh, enjoy keeping up with what's going on at the Wilmington Church of Christ. Um, we see things on Facebook and, and so forth and other places, and it's just awesome to hear how God is working here, and it's awesome how to hear how God is working through His people. And so thank you for that. Thank you for being a light in this community. And we also continue to, to remember all of you in prayer. Uh, even though we left here a little over 12 years ago to start our new ministry with Lifeline, we are so, so thankful for the connection that we have, continue to have with you here. And it's always a real treat and a joy for us uh, to be able to, to share with you. And uh, so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about this series uh, that you have been in, and it's talking about the promises of God, the stories from the Old Testament. Uh, back a, a few weeks ago, when I was talking some with Jacob about this and coming here and so forth, and talking about the message series, he sent me an email and had all the messages that had been preached to that date, which that was a few weeks ago. And I was look, two things went through my mind when I looked through at li that list. The first one was, I better jump on something or somebody's going to take it before I have a chance to respond to this. And, and uh, the second thing is, I thought, these are a lot of great stories. I love Old Testament stories. I love, I, I love how we, we find how God worked. And, and what, not only what it meant in that time, but also what it means carrying forward to today in our ministry uh, through the church. And so I knew when I looked at that and I saw what already had been shared, the person that came to my mind was Abraham. I've always loved the stories that revolve and focus, uh, revolve around and focus on, on Abraham. Such great stories of faith, such great stories of courage and so forth. And we're, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. You know, when Christy and I moved over to the Indianapolis area, we're in the community of Westfield, which is like a suburb on the north side, just off, of, or just off the 465 Elder Belt around Indianapolis. And um, of course, we were looking at churches where to go to church, and we've landed at Traders Point Christian Church. It's a, a phenomenal church. We love it. Uh, the church has like five campuses spread out all across uh, the Indianapolis area. I think total, the church, it's a church of like 15,000 people just doing some awesome things in the area of Indianapolis, and we're very grateful um, to be a part of that. 
And so we've gotten connected in that church. We're part of a small group. Uh, and we've also, we also decided that um, we would get involved with uh, the guest services ministry that takes place on Sundays. And we thought, you know, as many times, as much as we are there, it's possible to do so. We, we really kind of wanted to get plugged into that. And we've done that, and we've enjoyed it. It's been a great way to meet people, great way to welcome new people into the church and all of that. And we just are really having a great time with that. One of the things that we do um, in that ministry is every Sunday, the group, the, those that are serving, and we typically, you know, we're like everybody else. We're creature, creatures of habit. The 915 service is our service, and that's where we serve and so forth. And, and uh, we always get together about 45 minutes before the service. Everybody that's doing anything with guest services go over information for the day, talk about prayer requests, prayer needs from within the group, and all of these things. And um, every once in a while, we, we do some what they call best practices. You know, what's some good things we need to keep in mind working in guest services? And one day, um, as we're in our groups talking, uh, one gal was going from group to group, and she came into our group, and she said, you know, here, here's something we want you to think about. Because she said, a lot of people working in guest services have asked the question, and this is an important key question, and you'll see what it means when I tell you what the question is. The question is, is it okay for us to carry around a cup of coffee of us, with us while we're serving in guest services? And she said, um, you know, we're not going to be the coffee police. We're not going to, you know, call you out for it or anything. But we just want to ask you, while you're serving, if you could put that cup of coffee aside so that both of your hands are free to serve. You know, if somebody's coming in with kids and they need help and all, all this, it's just easier to serve when both hands are free. Now, there were two things that, that came to my mind when, when she said that. The first one, not being a coffee drinker, I was thinking, man, I hope all you coffee drinkers heard what she just said, because you really need to keep that in mind while you're serving. Of course, I always carry around a cup of hot chocolate, but that's different. The second thing, though, was... That's kind of an interesting thought. And it's been one of those statements that over the, I don't know, that was probably four or six weeks ago that she met with our group and was talking to us about that. And the more I've thought about it, the, more, the deeper it's gotten into me. Because I've really thought about it even in terms of, you know, it's even more than just about carrying around a cup of coffee. Because I've been thinking a lot, you know, am I trying to serve but still holding on to some things that keep me from serving most effectively. And I don't know about how it is for you, but I began to think about that, or as I began to think about that, I thought, you know, I, I can think of some things that, you know, may, may, I just kind of need to let go of some of that stuff. I'm maybe not serving as effectively as I can because I don't have, my, both of my hands aren't available and my heart is not fully available. And so I wonder how it is for you. Are there things you're holding on to? Are there things that, that are keeping you from maybe being as a more effective servant and the way that God would, would want you to, to serve. And so as we're looking at this series this morning, the prom, God's promises, stories from the Old Testament, this morning we're going to talk about Abraham. And actually, you're getting two stories for the price of one this morning. We're going to look at uh, two stories of Abraham very quickly here this morning that I think kind of help us point to this idea of, of not only latching onto the promises of God, but what should our response be to that response, to that promise so that God carries out the promise with those that are faithful and humble and following him. When I think of Abraham, or excuse me, when you think of Abraham, what are some things that come to your mind? When I think of Abraham, there's, there's just these one-word snippets that come to my mind. When I think, to Abraham, think of Abraham, uh, I think of somebody as humble, who's humble. 
When I think of Abraham, I think of, of, of a man who just humbled himself before God. And, 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 and as we're going to see this morning, God called Abraham into some difficult situations and some difficult things, but, but Abraham humbled himself and he put God first. When I think of Abraham, I also think of faithfulness. In fact, you know, if you go you know, into, into Hebrews, there's that one chapter, it's the roll call of faith, and all these names that are listed, and Abraham's name is in there in that roll call of faith because of his faithfulness to God and following God and putting his faith in him. When I think of Abraham, I also think of obedience. I think of a guy who, uh, my goodness, in some very difficult challenges that God laid before him, he responded in faith, not always knowing the next steps, not always knowing where everything was going, but he responded in faith. In Psalm 105 and verse 42, that verse says this about God and his attitude toward Abraham. For he remembered his, that's Abraham, he remembered his holy promise given to his servant, Abraham. Now, if you go back through that 105th Psalm, there's a lot of things that you see there that are unpacked about a lot of people in the Old Testament and a lot of events in the Old Testament. Uh, We read about uh, God working through the line of Abraham and, and then even beyond that to Israel, to Jacob, to Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery, and he was, you know, risen to a position of prominence in, in Egypt to fulfill God's purposes. And it talks about how God used Moses and Aaron to go before Pharaoh to seek the release of God's people. But then the passage circles back to Abraham. And the focus that's placed there upon him, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is this idea of faithfulness. God remembered his holy promise to his servant. Abraham. I think Abraham is an example for us of how to serve God with open hands, not holding back on anything, not trying to hold one thing in one hand and, and, and serve with only one hand, but who, wholehearted, who wholeheartedly gave himself to God and said, God, I want to follow you and I want to serve you in every way that goes, that we go. And I think God wants us to unwrap his promises and so forth to us. You know, you've been hearing about a lot of these promises in the Old Testament. We're going to take a look at one here today. But I think what we have to keep in mind is, in order for that promise to be enacted, we have to respond in some way. And so that's what we unwrap that here uh, this morning. We're going to unpack this, and we're going to look at two examples. The first is found in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 7. So you can pull that up on your advice, open your Bible, whatever. To Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read that for us this morning, and, and we're, going to, we're going to see how Abraham responds here. So the Lord the Lord's had said to Abram, he's still called Abram at this point, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, And at the time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, here's the thing 
about this passage that, that just jumps out at me. I mean, I look at this and I think, wow, this is an amazing promise that God gives to Abraham. I am going to make your name great. I am going to bless your, your, or your family is going to be a blessing to all nations. And I don't know what was going through Abraham's mind when he's hearing this, but God is just laying this all out to him. And God is saying, there is something great I'm going to do, and I want to do it through you. But I think there's something we want to make sure we see in this. And that is the way that God set this up to Abraham. I think a lot of times when we read this passage, we focus on the prophets. But I want to jump back to the very first couple of verses. And this is how God set all of this up. To Abraham, he said, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Before he lays out the promise, God says, Abraham, you need to leave. You need to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And then here's what I'm going to do. You know, I think that kind of points to the idea that in order for God's promises to be fulfilled, there needs to be a leaving first. In order for God to work in us, we have to be willing to leave some things behind to see how the promises of God play out and how they are fulfilled. I want you to leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And I want you to go someplace that I'm going to show you. You know, when you live somewhere for a while, you get real comfortable with it. Is that, isn't that true? You get comfortable with it? I mean, Christy and I lived here in Wilmington for 29 years. Our daughter, I think, was 15 months old when we moved here. Our son was born after we moved here. We raised our kids here and all that. We got really, really comfortable. We know where everything is. I can still drive through this town, and there's some things that are different, but there are some things that are the same. I still know where Kroger is. I still know where Walmart is. I still, you know, it's all, it, it, there's some things that you, you just get ingrained in you. Same thing was true for us the, the 10 years or so that we lived in Columbus. You know where everything's at. You know, I'm a real creature of habit, and I think there ought to be some type of a law or a stipulation that, like, for an example, every Kroger store ought to be built the same where everything is laid out exactly the same. You know, you, I, knew, I knew where everything was at in this Kroger store. I go to Columbus, and I'm like, I can't find anything in this store. It's not laid out the same. Somebody needs to write a sternly written letter about this and get this changed. But we get comfortable with where we are. Probably all of us in this room have moved at some time in our lives, whether it's moving to a different town or maybe just into a different location, but we've all moved. And you know what that's like to pack everything up and move. I, when we moved to Indianapolis, we sold our house in Columbus, and um, there was going to be a two-week gap between when we had to give possession of our house in Columbus and when we took possession of our new place in Indianapolis. So we stayed at our daughter's for two weeks, which meant we loaded up a truck, boxed everything up, and we, we just put all this stuff in Jen and Jamie's garage. And it was very humbling for me when I would walk out in that garage while we were staying there and look around and think, pretty much here are all my earthly possessions boxed up and crammed together in one garage. You know what that's like to move. It's different. It's unsettling. 
Now, I don't know what took place in Abraham's mind. I don't know what conversations might have gone on. But there's something that's, that's very, very interesting about this passage, about his attitude toward this. There are three words in this passage that I think are important for us to focus on if we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled. And they're found at the beginning of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4. It's after God tells Abraham to leave his home, and here's those three words. So Abraham left. So Abraham left. Almost kind of in passing. Doesn't give us a lot of detail other than the bottom line of his response. So Abraham left. You know, I, I would have loved to have heard the conversation that Abraham had with Sarah after this conversation with God. You know, God tells us to Abraham, and Abraham goes home and says, Sarah, I, I need you to sit down. We got to talk. And, you know, Abraham, you know I've been, God's been talking to me today, and, and he, here's the deal. He, he wants us to move. He wants us to take all of our stuff, uproot ourselves, and move. I don't know how that went. But the fact that, that we're not given a lot of detail to this, I think, really speaks to this idea of, of the, the faithfulness and the obedience of Abraham. You know, God trusted Abraham, or excuse me, Abraham trusted God in humility. He responded to it without question. And here's the thing I think is important for us to see in that. And that is that, God's pe that God works when his people humbly put themselves aside to follow where he leads so the purposes and promises of God can be fulfilled through his people. And I think the question for you and the question for me this morning is, are you holding on to, what are you holding on to? To keep from going to where God wants us to be, to fulfill the promises, to be a light in the community? Are we holding on to something that keeps us from doing that? And that, you know, that takes a lot of different forms for us. So, you know, I, I don't know where all of us this morning are in, in that or maybe what we're holding on to. Maybe we're holding on to something that just feels more safe and more familiar. Maybe, you, you know, you're doing something with, even in the church, with people you enjoy doing it with. Maybe it's something you've done for a long time, and, and, but now God is saying, hey, it's time to go somewhere else. But I still want to hold on. I still want to hold on to something. I think for God's promises to be fulfilled and, and to be carried out, those three words ought to be the theme for our lives. So Abraham left. I think those are the words that need to be on our heart, in our minds, and not think so much about well, what do I want to do and what direction do I want to go, but rather what direction is it that God wants me to go? You know, the result of that is God, you know, God fulfilled his plan and God fulfilled this promise that he gave to Abraham. And it was fulfilled because of how Abraham responded to it. And the result is God did bless Abraham. God did make his, his family into a great nation. God, and from the line of Abraham, Jesus has come. God's promises are fulfilled because Abraham's 
attitude was, you left. You know, there's another story this morning I want us to take a look at, and it's found in Genesis chapter 22, the first 18 verses. I want to read this for you. I know it's a little bit lengthy, but I want to read it for us this morning, and you follow along uh, as, as we take a look at this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here while the, with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. <clears throat> when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angels of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your first son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering and said to his son, or of his son. So Abraham called that place, the, the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, I want us to think about this scene for just a moment. I mean, here's Abraham, and in some ways, he's doing something that he's not, you know, this is not the first time he's done it, and that is to offer sacrifice and worship to God. But things are different this time. Things are different because God says, Abraham, I want to take your son, your only son, emphasizes that, Isaac, whom you love. I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'm going to tell you about. Now, I look at that and I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? God says this to Abraham. And I, again, we're not told a whole lot of detail about what was going through Abraham's mind, what his response might have been, what his questions might have been. But again, we see the attitude from Abraham that we saw earlier. So Abraham left. And he took off to do as God told him to do. And this wasn't lost on his son Isaac either. They're walking along, 
And Isaac finally says, you know, hey, Dad, um, I got to ask you. Um, I see everything that we need here for a sacrifice. But where is the sacrifice? I love Abraham's response to that question. Abraham says, God himself will provide the sacrifice. I have to wonder that that, if that was not a statement of faith by Abraham, of, you know, I know this is what God asked me to do, but I also believe God and I know trust God. He's going to provide in this. I don't know how it's going to work out, but he's going to provide. And so Abraham just says, God's going to provide it. God's going to provide it. And you know, as you read, we read through that story, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Just as Abraham, just in the moment, can you imagine this, the drama of this? Just in the moment when Abraham raises the knife and he's going to plunge it down into the body of his son Isaac, God says, wait. Abraham, wait, don't do that. Don't lay a hand on him. I know thou that you fear God because you've not withheld your son from me. And almost in that same moment, Abraham looks over and he sees the ram caught in the thicket and he sacrifices it to God. But I want you to notice something again in verses 15 through 18, because the promise of God one more time, once again, after this great act of faith by Abraham, it is, the promise of God is confirmed to Abraham. The angel of the Lord called out to Abraham for a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abraham was willing to do whatever it would take to fulfill that promise. As difficult and as hard as that would have been. But God, in that, in that act of faith and the willingness on the part of Abraham to do what God had asked him to do, God honored his promise. He repeats it again to Abraham. You see, I think God wants us to see that we don't always have to have all of the answers that 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 God already knows. You ever been in a situation where you, you've had, you know, you're trying to figure something out? It, I don't know, a problem, family situation, you know, work, whatever it is. We're, we're, you know, how am I, you know, we think, how am I going to address this? How am I going to tackle this problem? And, you know, I've been in those situations too. And oftentimes I've been reminded you know, really, you need to give that to God. You know, not, not that there's not things you, here you don't need to think about, not that there's not things you need to reason through, but ultimately give it to God and let Him work with it. And that's exactly what Abraham did here. He didn't know how this was going to turn out, but he gave it to God. And, and, and I, 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 my prayer for all of us is that we just simply trust God and allow Him to do His work to have faith in God and follow Him in that work, even when we can't clearly see the next steps, God already knows where they are. And if we trust Him and put our faith in Him, He's going to guide us one step at a time.
And when we do that, we see the promise of God. That's promise that God, that God made to Abraham. It continues on. He fulfilled it in Abraham. He fulfilled it in, through Jesus on the cross, and he continues to do that through the lives of people. And he continues to do it because his people respond by faith to the promise that God has given. Now, I've got, there's just a few takeaways I want to leave with you on this. Three real quick take, takeaways. First of all, first takeaway is this. Remember that humble servants are the ones who tap into the power of God's promises. It's not about them. It's not about, you know, not about their resourcefulness, not about their ideas. It's about tapping into the power of God. And I think that's something we miss and overlook is the power of God and how God can work and how God wants to work and how God wants to bring forth things in our lives and as a congregation and, and as servants that, that are even greater than we could think or imagine. Second takeaway, humble servants don't try to figure it out on their own. They don't try to figure it out on their own. They trust God to work even when they can't see the end results. I have to say that in the time that Christy and I have spent on some different mission fields, there's been so many times we have commented after something takes place, we just talk about it, and we're like, the only way that happened was because God was in it. There's no, you can't explain it any, way, any other way. The only way is that God was in it. And I think God still works that way. And I think when we open ourselves and humble ourselves to His leading, we're going to see things come along and we're going to say, you know what, the only, thing, the only way that came together was because God was in it. Not because we didn't play a part in it, but because we allowed God to take the lead in it. And we simply followed Him and allowed Him to work and we followed His work in the way that He wanted us to go. And then the third takeaway is this. This, and th I, this is the exciting part of serving God. When we humble ourselves to Him, He promises to work in ways that are beyond our imagination. God is able to do immeasurably more, the Bible talks about that, than we can ever ask, think, or imagine when we simply trust His promises and follow His lead. Many, many years ago, back when uh, Apple personal computers were first coming into play, Steve Jobs, we've all heard that name. Steve Jobs, at the age of 26 years old, was the head of Apple. 26 years old. And very early in the history of Apple, they were looking at, and Steve Jobs was looking at, you know, how do we market this? How do we, how do we sell this? How do, we, how do we make people understand what a tremendous difference a personal computer can make in their lives? And so they began looking, to, you know, who could help us with that? And Steve Jobs actually looked to John Scully, who at that time was the head of Pepsi-Cola. Now, at first glance, we might think, what does Pepsi-Cola have to do with personal computers? Well, as the head of Pepsi, John Scully was in charge of, of marketing. And Steve Jobs and others at Apple saw some, some things in, in John Scully when it comes to how he would market things and, and bring things about. He saw some things there that could maybe apply to Apple computers. And so Steve Jobs offered John Scully to meet him at his luxury apartment 
on Central Park West in New York City. Now, I'm gonna let you get your minds around that for just a moment, that a 26-year-old has a luxury apartment in Central Park West in New York. I mean, just, you got that? <laughs> Blows your mind. But Steve Jobs and John Scully are sitting there talking, and finally, Steve Jobs looks at him and he says, look, do you wanna sell sugared water all of your life? Or do you wanna change the world? John Scully said that comment just was like a punch in the gut and he took the job. Here's the thing, when it comes to the kingdom, are you just gonna be happy with selling sugar water? Or do you wanna change the world? Do we just want to be happy with just doing church the way we do church and the way we like church? Or do you want to change the world? Abraham was in a comfortable spot when God came to him and said, Abraham, or, and said, Abraham, I'm going to make this promise. Abraham, do you want to stay where you are? Or do you want to change the world? I think for all of us, that's when we think about these promises of God. The focus is we want to change the world. We want to change this community. We want to change the lives and the hearts of people because of what Jesus Christ has done. The fulfillment of the promise of Abraham is in Jesus Christ. And God has called us to change the world. Thanks again for joining us. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just need more information about our church, please visit us online at wcconline.org connect. Fill out that connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.